0: This is episode seven of Zimmerman Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of Questions with Rachel. Rachel is a Bloomer-turned-Zimmerman team member, which means we first connected because she took my course, The Business Behind the Blooms, and then she came on to the Zimmerman team in January of 2019. Rachel has a foot in both worlds. She's a student and a floral designer, mom and entrepreneur, but she also gets to see the inside of Team Zimmerman and the inside of my brain as she helps me communicate with our audience and students. Each month, we'll have an episode called Questions with Rachel, where Rachel will ask me real questions that we regularly get asked and haven't had time to answer in depth on Instagram or Facebook or in DMs. She's also going to throw some of her own questions in there just to spice things up a bit. I won't see any of the questions ahead of time, so my answers will always be 100% raw and unfiltered. If you have a question you want featured on a future segment of Questions with Rachel, send them to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash ask. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash A-S-K. Today, we're tackling the first five things you should do when starting a floral design business, or really any business, how to prepare for large-scale wedding day designs, and what my number one power outfit is, spoiler alert. There's a lot of black (laughs) i can't wait to share this first episode of our special segment questions with rachel let's get started
1: welcome to the zimmerman podcast with your host ceo wedding professional educator and mom jessica zimmerman in just two years jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary she turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you.
0: Hey, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So tell everybody, I get to talk to you every day, but let's tell the listeners why you are the one, this this whole segment was Rachel's idea, by the way, um, because she is unique and she is going to tell you about that. But um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Okay. So tell everybody what, uh, why you're the one asking the questions.
2: Right. So, um, as someone who gets to see a lot of the questions that come through to you, um, and as someone who, um, was, And I'm very similar to your audience and the people listening. Um, I started a floral design business after I did my own wedding flowers and I just kind of started as a side hobby. And then I took BBB and it turned into, you know, a real deal business. Um, But I had, and I still have a lot of the same questions that your audience has, um, And so as I was thinking about that and figuring out how we could serve the audience better and um, answer some of those questions that we don't really have time to go into in depth on Instagram stories or even Instagram lives, I thought of this idea. And I think I said something to you like, Jessica, I promise I'm not like an egomaniac jerk (laughs) because, and you can have someone else do this, but I think this is something we need to do. It can be me. I'm willing to do it. It can be someone else, but I think this is something you with that we need to do. And you said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Luckily. Um, because I did feel kind of like a jerk
0: being like, Guess I have this great idea it requires me being on your podcast. So No, but this is what I love so much about you. When you have I mean when you have ideas they're usually really good and I'm like yeah, let's do it. And it just makes sense because you are you're the unique the most unique member of the team in the sense that you actually are a bloomer. You're, you are someone who has gone through the course, the business behind the blooms, seeing the success of that. And then I reached out to you about becoming a member of the team. And we, we need to do a whole nother episode at some point about that, about what it really looks like when you, when you think you want this job, but maybe this other job is a better fit for you. Because I think right. that that was something that was a really natural progression. And I didn't want to feel like I was poaching you, but I really (laughs) wanted you. And so we anyway, it's been a really wonderful organic experience. But because you have the mindset of a bloomer, it is wonderful because we can run so many things by you and say, is this what our students would want? Is this, you know, kind of thing. So I love that people have the opportunity to just ask a question and the other thing that I like about it is we made the decision that I would not know the questions ahead of time. So these are going to be yes. non-rehearsed, fully raw, organic answers. Um, and yeah, so they just go and they, they go to com slash ask, enter in a question that is emailed directly to you anonymously. And then we do this and you ask them to me. So yeah, let's go.
2: Yes, I'm so excited. And so I have questions that you've been asked um, on Instagram or in the Insiders Facebook group. And even some questions that I would have wanted to ask before I knew you. And now I like know some of the answers, but I, hopefully I won't know all of the answers. And I want to ask them because maybe there are questions that people want to know, but they're afraid to ask. Um, maybe not like specifically business related, but kind of rounding out this idea of what does your life look like once you have a business and a life you love that kind of work together. So hopefully I'll throw you some curveballs balls. <laughs> and I like that. Make you a little uncomfortable. Maybe.
0: <laughs> (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs)
2: Um, So here is a very common question we get. If you're just starting out a floral business, if you, let's say, um, if people don't know your history, you sort of assumed a business, um, a wedding rentals business and transformed it into doing mostly floral and then from there added wedding planning in. But if you were just starting out with a floral design business, what are the first five things you would either do or invest in? Um, and if you have especially limited money, where are your resources best spent?
0: I think first and foremost you get an you you get an attorney and you get your contracts in order. There you you have to first and foremost have that done. You have to treat your business like a business and there is no legitimate business out there that isn't protecting themselves. You have to think about you're exchanging money. People are giving you money to do Maybe their wedding or a, a big event or a party or something, and they expect you to do it. What if something, life happens. And if something happens where you are in a wreck and you can't be there, like you've got to be covered. You've got to protect yourself. So I think first and foremost, even though it costs the money, you need to do that. You need to protect yourself. I think the second thing you have to do is you need to have a bookkeeper or a CPA, an accountant um, that can go over the numbers with you. I do it once a month. If you can't afford that, I would do it at least once a quarter. You need to do it at least once a quarter. And I also think a lot of people that are in the creative world that's just not their strength. That's just not something that is a, a top. It it might be a top priority, but it always get. If you're like me, when I was trying to do it myself, it always got pushed to the next day. Right. Anything that we don't want to do gets pushed to the next day, and therefore it never got done. Um, So because it kept getting pushed to the next day and the next day and the next day. So anything that you have on your plate like that, that keeps getting pushed to the next day, that's a very clear sign that you need to outsource that. And people always think like, I can't afford that. I can't do that. Yes, you can. You really can. I know that you think you can't, but think of other ways that you can get that money. Maybe it's that, you know, you don't have a gym membership for a year and you go run outside. Maybe it's that you, um, you know, stop Netflix and all these things for, you know, six months so that you can afford that. Because when you are able to outsource those things, you free up time and brain space to be able to be more productive, which brings you in more money. It's, right. it's a really smart thing. And it's hard to do at the beginning. I get that, but that's what I would do. The third thing kind of piling in on top of that is I would hire an additional team member as soon as you possibly can. You need somebody who can do kind of the minutiae of the business mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, I like to look at the big picture. I like to meet with the clients. I'm very futuristic thinking, but you need to make a list of what is it that you enjoy doing and what is it that you don't enjoy doing. And the things that you don't enjoy doing, you need to outsource those so that you don't get burned out. And I think, you know, for me, that first hire was Kelly and having her handle emails. And one of the things that we learned very quickly about Kelly is one of her top strengths is learner. Mm -hmm. That girl loves to learn new programs and new things. And so I would say, I would like to add this to the website. Can you figure out how to do that? And she would do it. And so it just saved me a lot of time. I got to keep my focus on the clients and the work and she kind of would handle the back end. Number four, to kind of piggyback on that is, your website. You've got to have a good website. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go hire a brand expert and you have to spend $12,000, $15,000 on a website, but take some time to make your website look professional. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can always come back five years from now when you've got the money to have a brand expert or whatever come in and and really punch it up. But right now, just make sure that your images are named correctly, that you have proper SEO, that when people Google your area and floral designer, that your name, your business is showing up as one of the top three. Um, And then fifth and final is I would invest any marketing into Pinterest because Pinterest is the number one traffic driver to my website and we get inquiries all the time from high end brides from big budget brides through Pinterest and I know a lot of people don't think that that's how you how brides are finding their vendors but you would be very surprised so yeah those are those are my five things and if you need a training on that you can go to Zimmerman podcast.com slash Pinterest, and we can get you um, a free training about that, about Pinterest. Okay, there you go. Five things.
2: So I have a follow up question. When you're talking about contracts, um, I think a lot of people feel with something like an attorney or an accountant that taking that first step of um, one, just finding someone like, what do you even go, you know, small business attorney or whatever. Um, And the fear of kind of feeling dumb, like I've been kind of doing this myself for a couple months. Um, I know that I'm not doing, you know, taxes, right. Or I know I'm not setting aside money, um, to pay my quarterly sales tax correctly. And, and I don't want to feel stupid. Like, I don't want to take my, um, you know, accounts to this accountant and have them say like, oh, wow, you're really screwing up. Like, you you know, you really have... Um, I don't know, just kind of mess this up for yourself. So how, if that's someone's fear, kind of how do you take that first step? And what's your experience been with your accountant? Uh, Because you, I mean, at one point, you took a a $100,000 business loan to kind of revamp your business. And you had an accountant at that point. And how did you get past that fear of like, I'm going to look like an idiot because I didn't know what I was doing?
0: Right. Well, first of all, it's not my accountant's job to my accountant is not a financial advisor. Right. My accountant is someone who is strictly looking at the money coming in and the money coming out and seeing where the profit lies and seeing and being able to report the taxes correctly. Right. So that is that is the accountant's job. The accountant's job is not to say that's a great investment or that's a good idea or why did you do that. There's I have found that with my accountant there's no that that's just not their realm of th- that's not their job they aren't looking at something going well that was smart or that wasn't that just they're looking at the numbers and just seeing they're looking to see if if every single month you're paying three hundred dollars in utilities, and all of a sudden there's one for six hundred. Did I pay that twice? Did the did the utility bill double in one month? I need to check on that. That those are the things that the accountant is doing. But I, I get what you're saying, and I, I and I think with the attorney and even with the accountant, listen, I think honesty is always the best way to go. I sat, I've i sat down, I actually did this two weeks ago. I'm having a new contract drawn for, because we're now leasing more property. And I had a new contract drawn and I said, listen, I'm, I don't know anything about this. Like I just need something that's gonna protect us, that's gonna hold up in court. These are the two or three things that I know I want in there. Other than that, like, I don't know, that's what I'm paying you for. I mean, you have to think about when a client comes in to meet with you, oftentimes they're like, well, I I don't know. Like, I don't even, I don't know what that costs, or I don't know what flowers are in season that time of year. I don't know. You're the same way you're going to, they're coming to you as an expert. And I'm going to the attorney as the expert. And I think just being honest and saying, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I know I need this and I want to get my business off on the right foot. And so I, I know that this is the wisest thing to do, but I need. I'm going to need your help and to take the rein in this and guide me through this process. And they respect that. They really do. I mean, people don't really like it when people come in who know it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I actually think it, think it's nice to just go in and say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I need this. Can you help?
2: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So one other follow-up question I had is you were talking about how important contracts are because at some point there are unforeseeable circumstances that are going to come up. And I wanted to ask you that, um, is there any time when having a contract really saved you because of some sort of unforeseen circumstance, like some, you know, weather disaster or your kid is sick or you're sick or, um, anything like that. And what, what made you think, "Oh, I'm so thankful that I invested in a contract because now this could have been disastrous, and now it's just really um you know clean cut and easy to figure out what happens next
0: well sure, so last year we had a wedding it was a huge wedding and we not only did the floral and the design for everything, but we were also the wedding planner and the coordinator and everything. And we have in the contract, it's very specific and I don't know the exact terminology that we use, but something along the lines of we do our part in communicating with the other vendors. They know what time everything is, what time they're supposed to be there and all of these things. However, that business is not my business. Like I'm not in control of that business. My job here is to make sure that they have the information, but then it, it is still their job to execute that. And at this wedding, everybody, all the vendors had shown up. Everybody was there. Everything was in place except this dance floor. This dance floor, it was 30 minutes before the wedding was supposed to start. And the dance floor still wasn't there. It was supposed to have shown up five hours. Oh my gosh. that. And all I could think of was, I'm so glad and they we kept being on the phone with them. And they were they would say, we're on our way. We're on our way. We're coming. And all I could think of is, if for some reason they don't make it, I am protected. I have done everything on my end that I can do. This is now out of my control. And my clients know that. And the contract states it. And we have proof that we have had multiple emails. That's why we correspond mainly via email. And if we do have a phone conversation, there's a follow-up email sent saying, per our conversation today at 1230, we discussed that you would be at this venue location at this time, da-da-da-da-da. You know, please email back to confirm receipt on this email. And we have all of those. And anytime we have any communication, we, those go into a, a, an email folder of that particular client. So I knew that I had the email emails that showed we had done our part, that we had our follow-up conversations with them, we had contracts with them, and we had our own contract that protected us. So That was the thing that gave me peace about that. Thankfully, they did show up. They were setting up literally during the wedding ceremony. But then when the wedding ceremony was over and the bride and groom came to do their first dance, they were ready and it was nobody knew any different. But I knew that I was protected either way.
2: Yeah. What a sort of, I mean, I know day of, you must've been like, I was just stress sweating, listening to that. So I'm sure you must've been sweating it a little bit, but it has to help to know that you're going to have only an improved client relationship. If something, you know, if it hadn't been ready in time, because you could have shown how on it you were versus, you know, the fact that it was the, the rental company's fault for not being, you know, ready on time as they had been contracted to do.
0: Correct. Yeah.
2: Um, so that is going to lead me to my next question about stuff. So there's in the wedding industry, um, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do ahead of time. You can plan for, you can work, you know, ahead of the week of the wedding, especially with floral design. Um, there are some things that you can only do on site. Like if you have a big installation, like a huge arch or, um, you know, big staircase install, things like that. Um, Someone asked, when you have something big like that planned for a wedding, Um, how do you keep your nerves from taking over on the wedding day? And how do you keep calm and stay focused? So um, I know that some element of that has to be repetition. And once you've done it, you know, you know, you can kind of do it. But do you have any tips or tricks for a just staying calm and focused or b like logistically figuring stuff out ahead of time so you can feel more confident day of when you're doing these big things that maybe if you're starting out, you haven't really done before?
0: Sure. So three things. Number one is prep, prep, prep. So if you know that you are at a venue you've never done before, or there's an install at this venue and you've never done before, you need to go to the venue. You need to measure things. You need to see, can I put command hooks on this? How will the venue allow me to? A. B., How heavy do they need to be? How much weight do they need to hold? How many would I need? Like you need to physically go and look at that and see what are all the mechanics I need? How will this work kind of thing? Get all of your prep in order. Number two is you need to be really, really honest with your client about the amount of time that it takes to do certain things. I always, always double the amount of time that I think it will take me. If I think it will take me two hours to do an arch install, I allot four hours for it. And I tell my client, it will take me four hours to get this done. If they have said, we want this huge staircase installation, and we want this arch installation, and we want this photo booth wall covered in flowers, I'm very honest with them and say, there is no way that we can get all of this done in one day. So we might need, and unless we, you know, double the staff or whatever on that day. Um, but also that just is going to be a frenzy and it's going to, you know, all of that. So I will be very honest and say it would help us out a ton if we can get in there the day before, which that might mean that the client has to rent the venue on Friday and Saturday, but it's worth it. If they can come in Saturday morning and see that everything's kind of 80% done, you know what I mean? And I, and I'm very honest with that, with them about that. And so we had uh, three weddings last year that all had big installs. And we were able to get into the venue the day before for each of those because I had that conversation with my client and we were able to get a lot of it knocked out. I think too, you have to think about things, what makes the most sense and what What can you get done early? Are there things that you could go ahead and wire and stem? And, you know, anything that you can get done ahead of time, get done ahead of time. But always over a lot the amount of time, double the amount of time that you think you need. And try to get in early if you can. And then the third and final thing is you need more people than you think you need. You cannot do installs like that with just you and your husband, and your mom and dad, like you just can't, you've got to hire some people that know what they're doing. You have to remember that things happen, you could get in an accident. And what if you're in the hospital? How is someone else going to make that happen? And so I always set up every wedding with hired help with the team with the contractors, as if I'm not there. Like if I can't be there, something happens to one of my kids or to me or something, I still know that this wedding is going to be pulled off beautifully. So you need to hire additional help.
2: Right. So that tells me that when you're hiring out your staff day of and the week leading up, if you can't be there, that means that there has to be a designer there who can pull things off the way you would and has like real design skill, not just someone who can set up, you know, construct things and take direction. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. And I think, too, there are people who, I mean, Danae is one of these people. Danae, who is a a second designer, she's never been professionally trained. She is one of those who can just look at an image and figure it out. And to be honest, sometimes she's our like ace in the hole because she comes up with things that I would never think of. Like we're going to take these pantyhose and we're going to stretch them. And then we're going to put these, this wire through it and that's going to hold it. And I'm like, what? Like I've never, I would have never thought of that in a million years. It works perfectly, you know? So sometimes it isn't even about being able to, it's just who can execute it, who can look at it, who can execute it. And that doesn't always mean that it has to be someone who's, has their own floral design studio and is properly trained or professionally trained and that you're going to have to pay an arm and a leg for. We all know people who are super resourceful and can pull something off. So, you know, sometimes you have to get creative with that. Would you pay a dollar a day for more energy, focus, and drive? That's what I get with Beekeepers Natural's Bee Powered Superfood Honey. Every day, I take a spoonful of their Bee Powered Honey, and every night, I go to bed after my kids, which is saying a lot. Before Bee Powered, I'd be totally out of energy by 4 p.m. Can anyone relate? Running a growing business while being a mom to three kids, including some pretty wild twin boy toddlers, it's exhausting. But with Be Powered, I feel more focused and driven than I have in a while, like maybe even before kids. You know I wouldn't try to sell you something that I don't believe in and actually use myself, but I love my Be Powered, and now I honestly can't imagine my life without it. If you want 15% off Be Powered, go to b to get yours today that's ZimmermanPodcast.com dot com slash b e e Hey, are you loving this episode? If you've been listening thinking, oh gosh, I'm so glad I found this. This is exactly what I've been needing. Then I need you to do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it on your social media. I can't reach more listeners like you without your help. And these early days and weeks of the podcast are absolutely crucial to building the listener base we need so that we can keep producing content that is free to you and answers all your biggest business questions. So share this episode, tag me at Jessica Zimmerman underscore, and then get right back to listening.
2: I know you were talking about people who are sort of self-trained. You're self-trained. I'm self-trained. Danae is self-trained or self-trained, meaning we didn't go to like floral design school. We might've invested in some education or some, you know, online classes on how to design or watch someone sort of put together a bouquet or a centerpiece or whatever. But we get a lot of messages from people who are saying, I just finished, you know, design school. I just finished class at my, you know two-year course in my community college on how to do floral design and um and now I'm trying to figure out what to do next so what are what's your reaction or how do you guide people who have invested all this time and money into getting you know this floral training but then sort of don't know where to go from there
0: I think just like with anything you have to do things in order to get clarity. You're never going to know. You can either sit in this space of wonder. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Or you can know for a fact, yeah, I want to do that. Or no, I don't want to do that. And the only way that we get that clarity is through experience. So... You did that class, or you did that design class or school for a reason. I'm guessing it's because you were interested in in flowers, so now, what do you want to do with flowers and There's many things that you can do with this. I know people who have gone through the course of the business behind the blooms and they say, "You know what this business end is a lot of work that I." don't really want to do. I just want to play with flowers. And so they full-time contract labor for people on the weekends or the week of weddings. And then there are people who are perfectly happy going to work for a gift shop store who do flowers for hospitals and, and you know, babies and get well so you know everything the funerals everything and then there are people who want to have their own studio and and be behind the creations and and all of that and so the only way that you're going to know is to try and so i would just be really honest with yourself and write down what are the things that you enjoy doing what are the things that you don't enjoy doing if you can't handle confrontation, if you can't handle deadlines, if you can't handle, um, you know, a lot of responsibility and money and those kinds of things, then having your own business probably is not the way to go. Maybe you want to start out by contracting for a little bit and see, do you like the grit end of this? Because doing flowers for events, is a whole different thing than going to a floral school and just learning how to make beautiful creations. There's a lot of stress and a lot of timeliness that is important and deadlines when it comes to day of events And it might be that you love creating flowers, but you do not like the stress of the of the of the timeline. So that might tell you that you don't need to do contract and you don't need to have your own business, but you need to work at a at a floral shop. So I think it's just where you have plenty of notice and everything and you're making things in advance for people to just buy or a grocery store. You know, like there's no right or wrong way to do things. You just have to be really honest about what else you enjoy so that you can take that talent and try it out. And also know that it's perfectly okay if you went through a year of design school and then you go try this out and you don't want to do it anymore. Like life, life is short, but it's also long. I know that sounds stupid, but it's it's you've got time. Like you, you don't want to spend 30 years doing something that you don't enjoy just because you went through one year of school to learn it, if that makes any sense.
2: Absolutely. I I reminds me so I have a degree in English literature, and I taught English for a year before I had my daughter. And when I told my students I was leaving, I had a student say, Miss Fletcher, if you're just going to be a mom and do flowers, why did you even bother going to college? And I was like, ha, ha, ha but also true. And then <laughs> here we are four years later, two years later, whatever, and I am now using my degree every day. So it's kind of – you don't know how – what you invest in at one point is kind of, kind of, it's going to come back around at some point in your life. Um, even if it doesn't seem like the next step is going to, is going to use maybe that education that you have. Um, and I think that a lot of people feel reluctant. Like if you imagine, let's say you go to Florida design school, you take your courses and you imagine that you're going to have, a flower shop. And then that doesn't end up being what feels like what you should be doing, or you think you want to be a, a wedding florist and own your own business. Um, and then, like you said, you hate the business part. Um, I think there's maybe some reluctance to just say like, okay, I tried it. It's, it wasn't the right fit for who I am. And I need to figure out what is, because it's hard to kind of move on from what we initially thought we would want to do. Um, so how do you – if if you were talking to someone who said, you know, I thought this was what I wanted and, and now it's just not turning out that way, how would you kind of guide someone to take it from the framework of like because I'm bad at this and this and this – and instead see, like, it's not that you're bad at these things. It's just that you're better at something else and your time is better spent doing this. Because we talk about that a lot on Team Zimmerman. Like, if I spent three years trying to do the things that Kelly does to your website, yeah, I could probably figure it out. <laughs> but that's not the best use of my time because I'm terrible at it. But Kelly is like a genius, so she can figure it out. And it's great. So and it's not that, like, Kelly's awesome and I suck or that you know, I'm awesome and Kelly sucks. It's just that we have different skills and maybe even different than we initially thought we had. So how would you kind of talk someone through that?
0: Right. I think that first of all, I would say, don't beat yourself up. And you were born, we were all born with a set of specific strengths. We were all born with Talents that are just, they're in our genetic makeup. They're in our DNA. It's just how we are born. Just like I was born with hazel eyes, and you know what I mean? I, I don't know, and brown hair. Like it's just who we are. And so we can wish all day that we had, like I can wish all day that I was as good at learning technology as Kelly is, but that's not my strength and I don't enjoy it. Would it be nice? Would I love to know? three different languages. I sure would, but I just want to push a button and that to happen. I don't really want to go through the process of learning it because that's not real fun to me. So first of all, give yourself a break that if you're not loving something. And also, I think a lot of people that are in the creative field, and even if you're not in the creative field, I think we grow. We're not the same person at at 40 that we were at 20. And I think that we experience this a lot. Also, this seems like I'm going left field, but I promise it has a point. (laughs) We experience this a lot with friendships. I mean, the friendships that I had growing up, I still maintain a good friendship with about four or five girls that I grew up with. If we were to meet today, I don't know if we would all be attracted to one another and want to be friends together. You know what I mean? We've all grown. We are more, it's, it's the the longevity of our relationship and the fact that it's so fun and cool having someone who's known us that long, that keeps our relationship intact. But if I were to meet some of them today, And never have known them prior, and vice versa. If they were to meet me today and not have known me prior, I don't know if we would hit it off, you know? And so you have to understand that that's part of life is that you're going to grow, you're going to learn about more, you're going to become interested in other things. Maybe you will have a child and you will be like, I had no idea that I was going to love this so much. How could you have known? You've never had a child before. So now right. you have one and you are like, I want to be with this child more. Or you have that child and you're like, I, I love this child. I really do. But I can't be with it all day. Like, that's fine too. So, right. um, you know, you you won't know until you experience it. And so I think it is okay to pivot. It's okay to change your mind. And I also think it's hard for a lot of people because our parents – grew up in a generation where you worked hard, you went to college, you got that degree, and you had to have that degree in order to make a good salary. In order to make a good income, you had to have a degree. We don't really live in that world anymore. You don't have to have a degree to make good money. I don't think I've ever asked a member of my team if they have a degree or where they went to school. I want to know what their skill set is. I have them take the strength finders test so I can know what their strengths are to where they can are best used in my business. I think that it's all about looking at what are my strengths and what am I going to enjoy doing. And I think that people have a hard time, especially if they If they themselves have put themselves through college and now they have all this student debt, they're like, what was it for if I don't do this? Or if people who have parents who helped them out with college and then they think, my parents spent all this money for me to have this teaching degree and now I don't want to teach. I want to do this. I want to have my own hair salon or something. Like To them, that seems... Like, I can't go to my parents and say that. They're going to think I'm crazy. But the truth is, when you're 18, like you, it, it's your life. It's not your your parents have already lived their life. They have already lived through their 20s and their 30s. And like, it's it, 40s, you know, like now it's your time. It's your time to do this the way that you want to. And I don't say that with any disrespect for any parent, because I think as a parent, we all have the best intentions for our kids. But sometimes the only one who knows what's best for themselves is themselves. Yeah. So is that helpful? I love that.
2: It's definitely helpful. I think it's hard to give yourself permission to pivot when you feel, or to just figure things out when you feel beholden to someone, like, like you mentioned, if you feel beholden to your parents because they paid for your school, or if you have built this business and you have clients and you think, oh, they're, you know, expecting me to continue this business or other people in the industry would be, you know, so surprised if I stopped or if I shifted or, and it's hard, um, but yeah, you don't want to build a whole business and live your life around
0: not disappointing other people who don't have to live your life for you. Yeah. And so. I mean, a clear example of this is my husband, Brian. He was a financial advisor, he got a bachelor's degree. He has a master's degree in business. Then he went on and took the series seven and all of these freaking tests that it takes to, that you pay money for, that you spend this time studying for. He passed that and he was a financial advisor for a decade. And then he got sick because his job made him sick. I mean, he, he hated his job. He was stressed every day and he got sick. And it was during that time that we really looked and said, who cares? Like who cares? And I mean, it it was mainly me like having to coach him. Like I would, I would say, why is it, why do you want to go back to that job? Like, why is that important? It made you sick. Like you're in the hospital. Why on earth do you want to go back to that? And he, when we really unpeeled the layers, the, at the core of it was what I've wasted 15 years of my life. If I If I don't do this, like what was all that for? And what you don't realize is what you said earlier, that is still going to be so beneficial in your life. We may not know how right today, but that is going to weave into the future of your life somehow. And you will be able to look back and go, okay, I know. I get it. I get why I did all that. And I get why it applies to my life now. There may be... There may be a couple of years where you're wondering, you know, going, oh, right. well, but you're, you will see it eventually. And I think you have to have faith in that and you have to trust your gut with that. But we really did. We peeled back those layers and at the core of it, it was, he, he felt like he would have wasted time and money if he didn't go back to it. He felt like a, it would be a disappointment to his family. And he felt like, what are people going to think? Like, what are people going to think? I have three kids. I have a wife. What are people going to think if I just decide to go flip houses now? And what's funny is when we actually started having these conversations, like with our good friends, like we'd go out to dinner and they'd say, well, what are you going to do now or something? And we would have these really honest conversations. The guys would look at Brian and go, that is so brave. Like, I wish I could do that. I think that's awesome. You you get to pick your kids up from school. You get to be there at their four o'clock gymnastics class. Like, I don't get to do any of that. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. No, it's just being honest with yourself and really, really not caring about what anybody else thinks. And I mean, anybody like don't it doesn't matter what your parents think or your best friend or you've got to do you have one life and you got to live it. I'm so thankful that Rachel is part of the Zimmerman team. Rachel first found out about my education through a free online training. In honor of Rachel, I want to tell you about a free mini course you can get access to right now. My mini course teaches the three most common business struggles I see creative entrepreneurs like Rachel struggling with every day team building, work-life balance, and how to land your ideal client every time. If you want to become a part of the Zimmerman family and get access to this free mini course today, head to com slash mini course. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash M-I-N-I-C-O-U-R-S-E.
2: As you're talking, I was thinking about this and you've talked about this, at least with me before. I don't know if you've talked about it, you know, on Instagram or Facebook or publicly, but my,
0: my poor, my poor team, they get, they get <laughs> heartfelt, um, pep talks on the day on a daily basis. I'm like, now, Rachel, here's how and this, I know that your basement is flooded right now, but this is happening and this is oh what it's gosh. doing. you and da, da, da. <laughs> y- y'all are probably like, I just want to ask one simple question that I uh, like about a deadline. Don't go into it.
2: no it's really it's so fun because I feel like we all have to do that with each other at some point during the week like we're either talking about my flooded basement or Mia's outfits for her family
0: (laughs) I was struggling big time with working from home and I called you and you were like okay this is this is okay and this is why you're struggling it's okay
2: (laughs) Yeah, we all, I mean, we, we super rely on each other, but as you were talking, I was thinking, you know what, sometimes it's so clear if you think about like, if I only had to think about today, like for Brian, if he only had to think about how he wanted to spend his day, it would have been an easy decision like to flip instead of um, to keep doing financial advising. But then when you start thinking about long-term, like, oh, and then this means that I won't be doing that and that these people will be disappointed. And then that's when it gets really murky of like, I should keep doing this because I wouldn't be the person who I thought I was if I didn't. But when you really look at it just day to day, it's usually really clear. Kind of like you were saying, you can kind of feel in your gut like, like, yeah, this is what I need to do. But when you start overthinking it and thinking about what were what will like the long term ramifications of this be, that's when you start second guessing yourself. And I think you've said this before of if you just think about how do I want to spend my day, like what let's think about how we want to spend our days and then kind of reverse engineer it from there. Yeah. Um, and I think you can get so much clarity. I I hope that um I just wanted to highlight that cuz I know you've said it before and for people listening I think that that's such a um like tangible thing of think about how how you want to spend your day and then figure out how to make that happen versus what big like this big career that I want to have for my whole life.
0: Right. And I'm going to I'm going to end with this one more thing just for the people out there who who need permission if you're listening to this then you're probably either a business owner or wanna be one or you're you have some type of entrepreneurial spirit or mind if i was told that i have to do the same thing for the rest of my life i would be like end it now because i mean i that just sounds so boring so some of us are born with that type of mindset of I can't do the same thing forever. I can't do, like for me, kind of every four to five years, there's a little pivot. It, it may not be this drastic, like Brian did. It may not be from financial advising to flipping houses, but it might be, you know what? I'm going to pause this for a second and do this for a year and see if I like it. I mean, this podcast is a, is, is a new pivot, you know? So there's, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to try something new. And if you do feel burnout or you get bored or you don't like what you're doing anymore, don't quit. Think of a way that you can, that you can, that you can pivot. I feel like I need a new word because I keep saying that, but, um, <laughs> and that that is, that is okay. It is okay. You are made that way. It is okay. Yeah.
2: Um, well, I want to end with a fun question Okay. <laughs> Talk through some heavy stuff. So, Jessica, I want you to tell us what your power outfit would be. And this is the outfit that, if you could, like, if you have to put on an outfit and it just makes you feel more like yourself, and you just feel like you could take on the world from top to toe, what would you put on?
0: So, this is this is a good question. Okay, so my whole wardrobe is black, um, right? Because it just is easy everything fits and goes together and you know, but I love a pair of black skinny jeans. I like a black t-shirt or a, or a button up or something like that. I love a black leather jacket and I actually like to wear like motorcycle boots a lot yeah. but i'm not going to wear that uh they're just comfy like they're almost like the w- winter tennis shoe to me like you just right. throw them on um but probably in this scenario it would be jeans shirt black leather jacket and some kind of like nice heel boot or something like an ankle boot yeah
2: love it i can see you now <laughs>
0: There well, I am. Look at me. We, Isn't it we, intimidating.
2: I know. As if you're not intimidating enough, then you have to wear all black and leather.
0: <laughs> it's just a. I don't know. I don't know. It's a. It's a armor. I guess. Protective armor. That's hysterical. Okay. I loved questions with Rachel. This is. I think this is going to. I, I'm going to predict this is going to be a favorite questions with Rachel. Oh, okay. So tell everybody how they can enter questions and we don't know who they're from. They're anonymous and we um and I don't know them ahead of time. So you get these really super honest, raw answers. So
2: Yes. Yeah, so if you have a question and you wanted to be featured on questions with Rachel, go to Zimmerman com slash ask, and I'll get your question sent directly to me. Again, it's totally anonymous. Um, so if you have some big question, you're embarrassed of asking, no one will know. Um, and it could be featured on the next, next segment of
0: questions with Rachel. Okay, good. I love it. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time.
1: If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.